0: Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it comes with very slick conditions just about everywhere you are. And we've seen just the last. There's no reason to get that upset, Brandon.
1: Well, I'm like a bull in a china closet anyway, and so,
0: you know, <laughs> welcome, bull. What's that that Churchill used to say about someone that uh, he he's a bull in a china closet who yeah. brings his china closet with him wherever he goes? Well, I'm a big
1: dumb animal, isn't he, folks? <laughs> yeah. And yes, you are correct, because uh, earlier today, coming in from Kearney, I was in four-wheel drive most of the way.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, just about everything, 511 Nebraska is saying slow-moving traffic on I-80 and Highway 30 through this central Nebraska area. You don't have to go uh, far any direction to find that it's just about the same, except maybe the southeast portion of the state.
2: I talked to one of the deputies of Butler County Sheriff's Department, a good friend of mine, and she said, roads are wet. Perfect mm-hmm. no, no I, but just wait, yeah. and they 're actually got emails from schools saying they 've canceled some afternoon activities because of that yeah. i
0: 'm going to freeze frame it for just a second here we 're seeing Look the, the non freezing temperatures extending from about the Blair to Fremont to uh, Wahoo down to Seward areas, but everything to the west of that is freezing with that light precipitation and it 's causing just havoc on all of the streets and highways, so take it very, very deliberately today. Snow.
3: Now, is all that going to go shift to the eastern part of the state,
0: all of it? That is the plan right now. They're saying that uh, just about everybody's going to be obliterated by that sub uh, sub-freezing temperatures anyway, and maybe some close to zero by later on tonight.
2: So. I better go buy a jacket.
0: Maybe so. That's right. <laughs> Of course, if it's that cold, it's probably be a good thing because if we can numb you up a little bit, might not be a bad thing.
2: Exactly. Susan exactly. has been
0: battling a, a, a damaged thumb here, and you keep damaging it every time you open a door. I
2: know my fracture is going to get worse if I keep this up.
0: We're going to wrap Susan in bubble wrap before this is <laughs> over. We could
2: duct tape that up. We could duct tape would
0: work too. That's right, Rod.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Call the engineer. All right, let's get to our headlines quickly. And in ag, what do we have, Coming
2: up at 1219, Dean Hefto will bring us up to date on some important issues in agriculture from Water Street Solutions. At 1245, talking to producer Jimmy Frederick. He has the new state bean record missing, the world record by just a few bushels. So we'll have more about that. And then at 117, Shaylee will catch up with Jordan Ducks, talking about what everybody's talking about. The tax bill.
0: All right. We'll let Susan adjourn to the market microphone. Well, we tune in with Brandon Bennett's. What, the most basketball points scored ever at the Pinnacle Bank Arena?
1: They had a lot of points scored last night. We'll talk more about that. And, of course, early signing period. So we'll hear from head coach Scott Frost. And we're also going to talk about a story out of West Virginia. It has to do with golfing. I figured that would be appropriate on a day like today to talk a little bit of warm weather sports. Uh, the difference in $200,000 is 33
0: yards that story oh coming up all right thanks very much and bob brogan has our business headlines stocks are moving higher in wall street as energy companies and banks post some solid gains
3: also the u.s. economy grew at a solid three point two percent annual rate from july through september um... the number of people seeking u.s. unemployment aid rose last week and uh, last but not least the toys your kids unwrap this christmas could spy on you, at least if they are connected to the Internet. You know, I missed the meeting or the memo on the fact that they can connect toys to the Internet.
0: Isn't that something? It's crazy. and getting crazier. Thanks very much, Bob. We'll have all these stories and more. And, of course, be very careful on the streets and highways wherever you are. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Bring in Paul Perkins. Take a look at our ag weather today. And uh, let's <laughs> kind of playing uh, tag team with some of the webcams around on the traffic uh, areas from the NDOS and some other sources but uh department of transportation dot um but we have seen plenty of them that are completely iced over you can't see anything yeah so you definitely
3: want to use some extra caution in those areas yeah. but yeah you can't even see what people are driving like in those uh especially like the carney webcams completely glossed mm-hmm. over with ice right now uh, looks a little white uh, towards the carney interstate cam and uh, truckers a lot of truckers pulling up towards the rest stops there
0: We're beginning to see some detectable precipitation down through that area, Elm Creek, Kearney, and down toward Red Cloud, Hebron, and Nelson. And uh, as that very, very cold air moves in, it's going to turn that water into something else.
3: Definitely. uh, Of course, the slick conditions this morning, uh, the wind causing a lot of problem because you're driving on a slick road, and then those wind gusts come up and want to move your vehicle. Temperature is in the low to mid-20s, and much of central on into northeast Nebraska, as you head into the panhandle, we do have temperatures into the teens, the temperatures into the 30s to around 40 from about, oh, we'll call it York, on into southeastern Nebraska. But most of our temperatures now well below freezing. We do have... Temperatures just below freezing in much of west and central Kansas, the low 40s, So over northeast Kansas. We're going to be on the backside of a strong cold front and low pressure today, pushing to the southeast. Freezing drizzle, light snow likely in many areas. Ice accumulations up to a tenth an inch will make those roads and sidewalks slick if they're untreated. A dusting to an inch of snow is likely in most of Nebraska, mainly to the north of the interstate. Two to four inches of snow could fall from Cherry and Sheridan County into much of the Panhandle. We continue to see quite a bit of light snow across those areas from Cherry County on into the portions of the Panhandle. High pressure will move overhead for tonight. That will clear the skies for late tonight into tomorrow. Some light northwest winds with sunshine helping to warm the temperatures up just slightly for tomorrow. A mainly small chance of light snow Saturday and Saturday night with low pressure tracking southeast out of the Rockies. Have a better idea of what this system can do when the forecast models come into a better agreement for tomorrow. Right now, still a lot of uncertainty with the forecast models. It's going to be dry with some cool temperatures for Christmas Eve on into Tuesday. Another significant cooldown with the chance of snow expected by the middle of the week. In our long-term forecast, the likelihood remains for colder than normal temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the nation Tuesday through the first three days of the new year. Along with those cold temperatures, here in Nebraska and Kansas will be more active weather. Above normal precipitation forecast, Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 3rd of next month. In the latest drought monitor, 91% of Nebraska experiencing drought conditions right now, with most areas experiencing abnormal dryness. The lone drought-free area in the northeast panhandle, all of Kansas experiencing drought. Most of the state abnormally dry in Kansas South-central in Kansas is in moderate to severe drought. Weather factors driving the markets include developing rain over key crop areas of Argentina and more favorable weather in major growing areas of Brazil. A significant weather pattern change is well underway here in the U.S. Much colder air will stretch from the Rockies to the Appalachians by the end of the week here. Mostly rain will fall from northeast Texas to the central Appalachians. Snow may accumulate this weekend from the mid-Mississippi Valley to northern New England. Dryness is intensified in the southern plains with in the wheat areas of the southern plains with moderate drought now found from southern Kansas into the Texas panhandle. The arriving cold shows very little chance of being accompanied by any moisture. Snow and blowing snow occurred in North Dakota and Montana yesterday. That increased their stress to livestock, also affected transportation. Rain will develop in central Argentina and the very dry northwest to benefit their corn and soybeans. A favorable combination of rain and seasonal temperatures in central brazil will look to continue and all of south brazil now in line for additional moderate to heavy rain the next few days that will maintain some favorable conditions
0: and your rag weather brought to you by holdridge irrigation your Ranky dealer and as we go on through the rest of the day want to remind you that you can pick up the latest in cancellations and postponements under the weather tab cancellations and postponements at krvn.com we'll have the latest uh, of those that have been highlighted in yellow and uh, just about everything in that growing list, uh, and it is growing as we go on through the day, you can catch up uh, with all of that anytime at krvn.com. And, of course, uh, we've got an app that also works very well for
3: yeah, you. Yeah, all powered by Harker Motors. Uh, weather information there, including radar for two dozen counties
4: applaud the tax bill passage. I'm Shaylee Peters with a midday check of your ag news here on the Rural Radio Network. Leaders of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees say the just passed tax bill delivers lower taxes for farmers and ranchers. I had a chance to catch up with the director of national affairs for the Nebraska Farm Bureau shortly after the passage yesterday, Jordan Dukes, and he talks about what some of these benefits are as we head into the new year.
5: Certainly as farmers talk to their their accountants, they're gonna have to keep some things in mind. And a majority of these things don't take place until 2018. So it's planning ahead and looking at some things. But I know when it comes to the individual tax rates, from what we've seen from some accountants, I think it's important for farmers to think about it. and obviously talk to your accountant before you consider any of these items. But look at possibly deferring income into next year, considering the lower rates. Take a look and and make sure you're in purchases to take uh, to possibly to get some newer used equipment. Uh, if you have the uh, depreci- the bonus depreciation, like to talked about, um, that actually uh, starts uh, on purchases made after September 28th of this year. So that's something to probably take a look at and talk to your. Account- about.
4: The partisan bill was not supported by Democrats, and further, the bill will deliver near-term benefits for farmers, but many of the ag-important provisions are temporary. The National Farmers Union says the bill ultimately provides handouts for the wealthy that will be paid for by family farmers, ranchers, and the lower and middle classes and our future generations. The American Farm Bureau Federation applauded the bill and stated AFBF will now focus on making those important tax deductions, lower rates, and the estate tax exemption permanent. And China, the world's top soybean buyer, will reduce the amount of foreign material allowed in shipments of US soybeans as of January 1st, the US Department of Agriculture said yesterday. A move that may curb imports, US soybean shipments arriving at Chinese ports containing up to 1% of foreign material would be expedited while shipments with more than 1% could be held back for testing. According to Will Wapsala, a spokesman at USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. More stringent standards will be another headache for U.S. grain handlers already facing dwindling profit margins due to record global soybean supplies. China requested the change in specifications due mostly to concerns over weed seeds in U.S. cargos, Wapsala said. And the crop insurance industry and a USDA agency will work in tandem to provide to producers new insurance options through a new farm bill. Tom Zacharias of National Crop Insurance Services discusses how his organization and USDA's risk management agency work together in developing crop insurance products like those crafted in farm bills.
6: Working with the legislators and developing proposals that they think meets their need. And then once we know what those look like, our job, as far as the industry goes, is to implement those proposals. RMA will ultimately develop the policy language and the rating behind it. What we're able to do is provide a filter between the companies and RMA. We can reach out to the individual companies for expertise in various areas, say underwriting, loss adjustment gather those subject matter expertise from the companies, sit down and meet with RMA on the various, say there's a proposal or the data reporting requirements where you have to go bit by bit, record by record, data element by data element. How is that business going to be processed? Because that's very important. If you look at an average policy today, there may be upward of a 1,000 data elements on that. It's a lot of information to carry, and it's got to be right.
4: Zechariah said they plan to keep a strong working relationship as they work on the 2018 Farm Bill. That's a midday check of your ag news for more. Visit ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters.
0: Time to get ready for lender meetings. That's our topic with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. So, Jason, what do we need to do before meeting with our banker?
7: Well, you know, we're moving out of that fast-paced growing season. We've moved into harvest season. And then we come into the winter months of book reconciliation, planning, meetings, holidays. And all of that can be uh, an abrupt transition. You know, and it can happen fast, too. And moving from the immediate day-to-day operational needs into more planning-oriented winter months can be tough. And I know for some guys, this can be a welcome time if you feel you need a breather from all the activity of the past nine months. But it also means switching gears into what I call the planning mode. And one of the most important things you can do as part of this planning is to get ready to meet with your banker. Now, hopefully you've been keeping your lender updated throughout harvest and the entire growing season, for that matter, because keeping that open line of communication makes a big difference when it comes to the next step of meeting with them to renew your operating note. And as you prepare, one tip I would give is to take some time to theoretically step into your banker's shoes. Now, this preparation can help you anticipate how they're thinking, so the types of thoughts, questions, and concerns they might have based on the numbers that you're going to be presenting. When you consider that ahead of time, you have the opportunity to better prepare, which then makes you look more competent in the eyes of the lender. So what else should we be thinking about? Well, you wanna take time to get clear on your plans for 2018 and beyond. Bankers wanna work with farmers who are looking ahead and have a vision for the future of their operation. Now these farmers know where they wanna go and are developing concrete plans for how they'll get there. If you haven't done very much of this future planning before, you might start working with a farm business advisor And an advisor like this can help guide discussions with you and perhaps other farm stakeholders about what you want that future of the farm to look like, as well as setting plans in place to reach those goals. And this planning shows your banker that you take your farm business serious and you are actively working towards some type of future vision. Bankers also need you to speak their language. You need to know and understand the financial terminology they use and be able to have a discussion with them using those terms speaking their financial language shows again that you take your business seriously and that you're a smart and savvy manager.
0: Jason, I'm sure there's more that we should keep in mind, right?
7: Yeah, have a detailed financial plan and projections for 18 and make sure you're able to clearly communicate about it with the banker. They want to see that you're aware of any potential financial issues within your operation. And they need to hear about the actions you're going to take to prevent loss and address any financial gaps in your operation that may have occurred from this past cropping year. And as you prepare for developing this type of information, remember that only you can tell your story of how and why the year turned out, as well as how you expect the next year to look and what changes you're going to be making specifically. And remember this, your individual loan officer is many times only one of multiple people that will examine your account, and your lender needs to have the ammunition to take your loan to committee with conviction that you are creditworthy. And putting this all together can help demonstrate your competency as a business manager. Now, as you move into the winter meeting and office season, how will you prepare for meetings with your lender? How will you anticipate and work through any concerns they may have about your upcoming crop year and do you have a financial acumen to speak the language and tell your story and as you put your harvesters away ask yourself what you will need to prepare for these important meetings and begin preparing mentally for the next phase of the seasonal cycle
0: if you have any more questions about this or any other topic go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528 Today, our topic was Get Ready for Lender Meetings with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and our chance to check sports today with Brandon Betts. Good afternoon, Dirk. In the highest scoring game
1: ever at the Pinnacle Bank Arena, last night Nebraska topped the century mark for the first time in 12 years in a 104-94 victory over the University of Texas San Antonio. The Huskers 104 points were their most ever at PBA and their highest point total since scoring 107 points in a 50-point win over North Carolina A&T back in December of 2005. And early signing day was yesterday for major college football teams' letter of intent. New Corn Oscar head coach Scott Frost talked about the talent coming in and the talent that's already on the roster.
8: I, I think we have good pieces on the team in Lincoln, and I think they had probably more talent on the team last year than what the record indicates. So we're excited to get to work with the guys that are already on campus in Lincoln, but adding talent certainly helped a lot of these kids we've known for a long time and you know one thing we weren't going to do is just sign kids to fill spots we want kids that we know can come be good people and and become good football players and we have a lot of work left to do here in January but I'm excited about the guys that are on board and I think a lot of things will shake out after this signing day so we'll know which kids are still available and
1: which ones we can go after Frost said he likes the Huskers' chances, especially when he and the rest of the coaching staff are able to get out and recruit during the late signing period. We're going to have a real real opportunity
8: in January to get out see a lot more kids. We're going to know who's still uncommitted and who we need to target. And I think once those kids get a chance to be around us and, and meet our staff, we're going to have lot a, a lot of, of opportunities to sign some more good kids. And while the Kansas
1: State football team has faced some of the top quarterbacks in the nation during the regular season, including Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield, their job certainly won't get any easier for their Cactus Bowl matchup versus UCLA when they face Bruin signal caller Josh Rosen. Head coach Bill Snyder compares Rosen to the others they've seen so far and comments on what makes them so special.
0: I think, you know, all of them are quality quarterbacks, excellent quarterbacks. And that's not just my opinion. I think that's virtually everybody's opinion. I think he's very much like them. He's good at processing information. He makes good decisions. He has patience and works through his progressions and uh, is an accurate thrower. And, you know, he can put some velocity on the ball as well. And I think that probably describes all three of them, I think, as much as, uh, much as anything.
1: The Wildcats come into the Cactus Bowl matchup on December 26th with a 7-5 record. The Bruins are 6-6. And most golfers like a short par 3, but West Virginia Governor Jim Justice probably wishes the number 18 hole at the Greenbrier Classic in 2015 was just a little bit longer. 33 yards longer to be exact. Back in 2015, Justice held a charity in which he promised fans at the 18th hole $100 apiece for the first hole-in-one and $500 apiece for the second hole-in-one. Professionals George McNeil and Justin Thomas then proceeded to ace the 137-yard hole, forcing the governor's charity to give up almost $200,000 to fans around the green. The charity took out an insurance policy against the payouts, but a federal appeals court recently said the policy only covered holes that are at least 170 yards long. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You're listening to The Rule Radio Network.
9: Light snow and freezing drizzle continuing in the forecast tonight. Lows in the teens in the east to around 5 to 11 degrees in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. Major General Daryl Bohack joined the Governor and more than 100 members of the Nebraska Army and Air National Guard Wednesday to mark the National Guard's celebrate Nebraska's 381st birthday and the Nebraska National Guard's 163rd birthday. Governor Rickett says the National Guard does much more than deploy overseas to protect our nation.
3: We also rely on the Guard we have those natural disasters to be able to protect our people here at home during those tornadoes or those blizzards. To be able to help protect, preserve the peace, and protect our property.
9: Along with that ceremony, Tech Sergeant Philip Francis, a member of the Nebraska Air National Guard's 155th Civil Engineering Squadron, was awarded the Airman's Medal. The Medals for Heroism exhibited on May of 2013 while assisting several motorists injured in a traffic accident near Waterloo, Nebraska. Along with providing immediate medical care to two injured motorists, Francis was credited with pulling an injured man from a burning vehicle that put Francis at risk of injury. The University of Kansas is cutting out of state tuition in an effort to attract high achieving students while sending more money to in-state students who need financial help. Chancellor Douglas Urod announced the plan at a Kansas Board of Regents council meeting. It will start granting tuition waivers to high-achieving out-of-state students with the hope that it will attract more students to offset the drop in tuition revenue. The scholarships that have been used to recruit out-of-state students will go towards in-state students with financial need. Rod says the university currently prices out-of-state students' tuition on their grades and test scores and then uses waivers and scholarships to fund the discount. He says a new plan would redirect up to half a million dollars to in-state Kansas students. Governor Sam Brownback argues as he prepares to leave office that his experiment in aggressive tax cutting pioneered a national debate over helping small business owners. He said during a year-end interview with the Associated Press that what Kansas did on taxes influenced Congress and other states, even if his home state lawmakers rolled back the cuts. Brownback is awaiting U.S. Senate confirmation as ambassador-at-large for international religious freedom. Our app puts regional, ag, national, and area news just one click away anytime. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder.
2: One Nebraska producer just a few bushels away from breaking the world record on soybeans. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska farmer Jimmy Frederick set a new state soybean yield record this year with a yield of 163.9 bushels per acre, falling just a few bushels shy of that world record of 171 bushels. He and I talked about what he did in this field and what he's planning to do heading into 2018.
8: A lot of it was I backed off on my population, um, created lateral branching on the bean itself, um, did inferral applications that I hadn't done in the past, Um, just little things, basically. There was a whole bunch of just little things I changed.
2: Did it surprise you backing off populations like you did to end up with the results that you saw in those fields?
8: Yeah, yeah, it did. I was a little skeptic at first. Um Chris Masters from Biovent, he was helped me. We were working together on it. He's it was his idea to back it clear down there to one hundred fifteen thousand, and I was I was pretty skeptical, but it actually turned out, we were planned. So I was in shock on that part. And you sure.
2: and you use a bit of a uh, holistic approach too in when it came to the nutrients for the plants, correct?
8: Yeah, a lot of biologicals. Yes.
2: Tell me a little
8: starter, bit about that. In-furrow. Um, we started with the infro starter. Um, used the furrow jet, so I was able to place different biologicals, uh, so it wouldn't hurt to of the seed. Um, that helped a bunch, and I was able to up my rate on my infro using the furrow jets. Um, we think biologicals. Uh, it had a lot to do with the plant health. And the uptake of the vascular system, and it just kept it healthy, and that was that was a good start for us.
2: Now, did you just do this in, in, in one certain field, or did you utilize this practice throughout your entire operation?
8: Uh, it was just on 130 acres. Um, I'm going to take some of the steps into my whole operation next year, um, but I still have some more experimenting to do and a few things probably to weed out. But...
2: What has been the biggest thing that you learned from this as you put it all together?
8: Uh, it was it was good to see that you could actually decrease in your population and save a little cost per acre and take that and put it into, say, the in I mean, just the decrease in the population, you know, take that money and put it into the in-furrow biologicals, um, things like that. I think the way we're farming is gonna to have to move to you know to to make it profitable is what I'm trying to say, so I kind of learned uh, quite a bit how to kind of just change the outlook on things.
2: if you sat down with a producer right now and wanted to tell him or her the the one takeaway that you had from this plot, what was it
8: the importance of a soybean stand um not so much stand but spacing and the singulation of the seed is huge a lot more different a lot bigger deal than what a guy ever thought before you know we always use drills and you know and just kind of placed them out there and didn't really matter but um i learned that spacing on soybean is huge it does matter a lot and it just has to do with the lateral branching of the plant and not robbing from one another
2: Anything you'd do different going into 2018?
8: Uh, yeah, we got a couple different things planned. Um, our biggest hurdle is probably going to be the harvest. That was the big struggle this year. The stems were so big, they're about the size of a quarter to half dollar. Um, they were so hard and woody that we were having a heck of a the time then not destroying the beans. Um, so that's our biggest hurdle at the moment to jump through. We've got to figure out a different way because it just just did not going to work
2: regularly. When you were in the field and, and you were combining this specific field, what was your reaction as you saw the yield monitor and the information that was coming across?
8: <laughs> well, I was kind of surprised, um, but actually the thought went through my head was actually what we thought it was going to be. It really was. <laughs> and I really didn't think so. I was pretty skeptical the whole time. You know, I was trying to keep it level-minded, not get my hopes real high, but... But it was pretty crazy.
2: And I'm sure the water cooler talk, per se, amongst other producers as they watch this field grow from from emergence to harvest.
8: Yeah, you can't really see it. It's kind of tucked away. But there were several guys that come and looked at it, and they were just shocked just the amount of pods it had. Um, the cluster of beans at the top, you know, so most bean clusters have four or five. These had anywhere from 15 to 20 pods on the very top cluster.
2: Comments coming from Nebraska farmer Jimmy Frederick, who talked about his just shy of meeting the world record this year. He had 163.9 bushels to the acre on his soybeans with a combination of planter technologies and fertility and biological products that helped him manage input costs, getting a crop off to a better start to push the yields higher. He also worked with his precision planting dealer as well. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And welcome back to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where you've got on the phone line with us, Joe Teal with Great Plains Commodities. Good afternoon, Joe.
10: Good afternoon. Well, trading in
2: livestock futures today,
10: mostly higher, uh, as we uh, get ready for uh, the weekend and uh, the holiday. Uh, Right now, uh, looking at the cattle, I'm going to finish with... Plus signs all the way across, and uh, uh, cattle are trading today at 120 again. I heard of some 122s. Uh, so after uh, being lower uh, quite a bit of the day, uh, that certainly uh, perked up the uh, the market, and uh, we finish higher. Uh, we do have a cattle on feed report tomorrow out at 11 o'clock. That'll make. Uh, uh, a lot of difference on, on the outlook uh, Following uh, that report uh, Cutouts of the day uh, Mixed Choice down Select up uh, But uh, didn't seem to have a whole lot of influence on the market I think the cash trade uh, definitely uh, took the forefront Feeders followed right along With a rally uh, Late in the session So uh, they finish higher also Over in the hogs uh, Cash uh, a little bit better uh, cutouts a little lower at noon, but we did manage to uh, finish a little bit higher on the uh, on the hogs today, uh, mainly due to that cash uh, as uh, we uh, approach the uh, holiday period. So, uh, trying to uh, maintain with the uh, uh,
2: higher cash, so a positive finish for the day in livestock. Joe Teal joining us with Great Plains Commodities. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
4: Tax reform has been finalized. I'm Chaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And here visiting with us today about that is Jordan Dukes, Director of National Affairs with the Nebraska Farm Bureau. And Jordan, this has been talked about a lot here recently. This is something that really we've looked at all angles of and how it's going to affect agriculture. So why don't you just start off by going into some detail on how exactly, what sections of this are really going to be impacting agriculture here.
5: I think uh, first and foremost, Shaley, I think it's important for farmers to note that, that this, we believe in our analysis, is going to be first and foremost beneficial to them. As we look at how farmers are organized, the majority of farmers are organized as a pass-through business, either a sole proprietorship, a partnership, an S-Corp. Um, those tax rates for those businesses have been brought down under this bill. Farmers can have an initial 20% uh, deduction before their income is then subject to the now new lower rates. And so right there, we we see a benefit for farmers and ranchers on that front. Um, The other main part of this bill that uh, really was kind of a major focus was to bring the corporate tax rate down. While there aren't that many farmers that are organized as C-corps, the ability or the the bills movement to bring down the top uh, corporate tax rate from 35% uh, to a flat 21% was a very large move which I think will have ramifications you know, through agriculture, through the rest of the economy. So that's important to note. Um, there's a lot of other pieces of this bill, and you look at the questions that we've gotten from folks. Um, the farmers can still fully deduct their property taxes. No changes have been made there. There have been some changes to individuals, but if you're organized and you file a Schedule C, E, or F, um you you can continue to fully deduct your property taxes without being subject to the limits that are placed on other individuals making capital investments have have improved under this bill with expansions expanded section one seventy nine Small business expensing and immediate expensing um, available for farmers. It also allows a farmer to shorten their depreciation schedule on their farm equipment from from seven to five years. The estate tax exemption doubles. Uh, you look through the the rest of it. Cash accounting continues. Farms, uh, a majority of farms, will continue to be able to deduct their interest expenses some changes to section one ninety nine I know mean, that's been a concern for co-ops and we believe they they uh, well that's eliminated they kind of found a way to to make up for that in another uh, new area so overall there's a lot of pieces to this there's a lot of moving pieces, but generally speaking uh, farmers and ranchers are really going to like what they see uh, when they start digging into this bill and when they start talking to their accountants and start seeing. Um, how their individual individual operations will fit within the changes made in in the the tax code the first time in over 30 years.
4: All right. Anything additionally as we head into a new year here, Jordan, and really start to see the effects of this come into play? In 2018,
5: you know, I think farmers again. I think you're going to have to make sure you spend some time digging through this bill, and we're going to try to uh, provide some opportunities for farmers to learn more about it um, as we get into the the new year. Uh, I know Nebraska Farm Bureau is going to be hosting a series of webinars. Uh, that's going to we're going to have an accountant on the phone to walk through this bill. So we're going to have some handy uh, some some sheets available for producers, and and uh, you know, kind of a top 10 list of things for farmers to keep in mind. So the story of this is that a majority of farmers are going to see lower taxes, and so all in all, while not a perfect bill, because a lot of these provisions do expire uh, for political and budgetary reasons, I think we have a chance to continue on with these as we move past 2025.
4: Jordan Dux, Director of National Affairs. For more, visit ruralradio.com
2: for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Peters. Good afternoon as we take a look to the happenings on the grain side of the complex. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Joining us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst at Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and of course, publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. As we look at what we're seeing in the grain complex, obviously some higher numbers in the corn mixed on the wheat, and these beans just still struggling along.
11: Yeah, it was a pretty good day for the for the feed grains. We haven't uh, really had a lot to talk about the last six weeks or so, as far as good news. And even at 351, it still feels like you know we've got some more to go. But um, shorter term, I, I think you're just seeing a lot of spread covering here. Longs coming out of the soy meal market. Um, I think tomorrow maybe we have one more day of this. Meal has kind of some support down at 315 on the March contract, which puts beans. Oh, maybe down in the low 340s or 940s, which has been a good buy spot going back to uh, the, the October WASDE report uh, that saw a good bounce from there. So uh, shorter term, I, I think things are starting to steady out. And, um, you know, markets like cotton that, uh, you know, I know a lot of folks up there in, in Nebraska don't care about, but they are really sc- screaming high right now on on pretty poor fundamentals, just good good market action. And I think that's something we can maybe look forward to in, in this stuff down the road.
2: Well, you know, we've got some listeners in Kansas who are even talking about looking at cotton versus planting something else this next year.
11: Yeah, and I you know I don't know how far we go down there, but southern Kansas. Uh, when I was out there two weeks ago driving by, I did see a few fields, and I expect that uh, to multiply next year. Took to a guy in Liberal, way down south. Uh, he's going to go uh, on ground that he's been playing Milo on the last decade. Uh, he's going back to cotton, and I think that this price action is going to incentivize that. So um, you know the fact also that a lot of these guys in Kansas have skipped out on wheat, and that would be uh, another reason why I'm a little bullish here. Um, Wheat has some legs. I I think you know, we we have to watch Russia. It's still really early over there, but um, you know, from the U.S. perspective, it's dry, it's cold, and I think acres is going to be d- down more than we think. So, 450 wheat is not going to get anybody moving uh, to the short side here. I look for maybe a little bit of a push, and if we can lead this higher, I think corn has 10 to 15 cents of upside. But I caution folks, you know, on these updates, don't get bullish on the rallies. Uh, you know, if you've got bushels to move by the end of the year, I'd move them, reown them. I think this is a good time as well on these little little spikes that we get in corn, watch the basis, see how the basis is performing. If it's not performing, I think you dump it and get in the paper. It's, it's a, a, I think, a much cheaper, more efficient investment.
2: All right, sounds good. Thanks so much, John. John Payne joining us, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Contact them at DanielsMarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.